Before we begin, if you like what you hear on the Tin and J-Man Show, don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and go ahead and click subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We encourage you to interact with us and keep up to date with the Tin and J-Man Show on social media by liking our Facebook page and following us on Twitter and Instagram at Tin and J-Man Show. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another episode of the Tin and J-Man Show with your hosts Tanner Lee and Josh the J-Man Munt. For the 187th time, welcome back to the Tan and Jay Man say Show. 487? 187th time. For the 100. Okay. For the 187th time. That's a mouthful. Sorry. Welcome back to the Tan and Jay Man Show. Thanks for listening. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, if it's on Apple Podcasts, please give us a rating and review. That helps us out. If we get up to 50 reviews, or uh, 50 ratings, excuse me, not reviews, ratings, we'll do some sort of giveaway. Last time I checked, we're quite a ways away. But um, and if you're watching the ISC Sports Network, thanks for tuning in. We're excited to keep you up to date in the latest of the world of sports and entertain for the next hour or so. Tanner Lee here. Josh the J-Man Munt to my right. J-Man. What's going on? Not much. It's a pretty nice day out. Nice, nice weather. little breeze. We're probably having... our last day for about a week with it being uh, not scorching. You're probably right. Probably right. And the Tan and J-Man Show is brought to you by, like it is every week, the damn landing. Whether you want an epic burger, hand-tossed pizza, hand-breaded tenderloin, seafood, craft beer, or a handcrafted cocktail, the damn landing is the place to be. The damn landing is a bar and grill located on beautiful Lake Manitou that focuses on freshness and quality. And, of course, you got the damn smoke. So you got barbecue, you got steaks, you got the ribs that sell out really fast every weekend. So make sure to call ahead on those. In addition, you can wash any of that or any of their other great food down with one of their 16 beers on tap, including a constant rotation of today's best microbrews and domestic flavors or a handcrafted cocktail made using fresh ingredients. Taking them fantastic views of Lake Manitou in their beer garden or outdoor bar area, which you can enjoy right now, whether it be by boat or by wheels, the Dam Landing is the place to be located at 1305 Ewing Road in Rochester. Their phone number is 574-223-8950. Beautiful. I think we switched it up last week and went uh, on this day first. We did. But, do you want to uh, go? Want to do that again? No. Okay. Kind of have my uh, trivia question ready. Well, all right. It's a Major League Baseball trivia question that I saw on the tweeter. What player since 1969 played the most seasons playing for a team that won the division? That won a division. Okay. Most seasons playing for a team that won a division. What player since 1969? I'm scared one guy pops my head right away, and I'm guessing he's wrong since he popped in my head so easily. You've been on an enormous hot streak. I don't know. What, two in a row? That's a hot streak for you, let's be honest. Yeah, that, that um, hot streak for the show, not just for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, after the past couple birdie bogeys you've given me, I have no room to talk because I am an embarrassment to the uh, craft. And I do have two trivia questions for you tonight, even though they won't count as birdie bogeys. Do you want me to give them to you now or wait till later? Let's wait till later. All right. That will give you no time to prepare. You know, you always say you got the whole show to think about it, but I never think about yeah, it until we, you we actually. talk about other topics. Yeah, until so you bring uh, it back up again. So maybe this, maybe I'll have less time to think about it and it'll help me out. Yeah, switch bit. it up. We need all the help you can get. So. <laughs> I really do. Birdie Bogey is brought to you by Noble Gnome LLC, fresh, locally grown, nutrient-dense produce from Bryce and Katie Romine. 
Mintone, Indiana. Like them on Facebook. Follow them on Instagram. Check out their website, noblenomellc.com. They will be at the Kosciuszko County Farmers Market on Saturday, where they will have lettuce heads, salad mix, radishes, carrots, kale, rhubarb, and asparagus. Anything else? I think you covered it. They they had a pretty cool looking uh, video on their Facebook page over the Did weekend that? from the how the heck did I miss that county uh, farmers market I don't know get your veggies I, I, you're gonna get stuck on that one of these days you're just gonna pause and I'm 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 just gonna, gonna be frozen your, for gonna, the whole show to throw your flow I'm gonna off. have the yips not that I have much flow to begin with <laughs> that is true all right you ready for uh, some on this day let's hear it. I'll try not to look at your computer because I know you have some. Yeah, this this might guess. be one of our longest on this day segments of all Can't time. Read that far so, away. Uh, so get ready, strap in, get a beverage, whatever strap you need. Strap it do. on. That's what the Cubs' motto was coming into the season, and um, that's not one of the best mottos no, I've ever heard. No, it's terrible. It's not a good one. Um, <laughs> I gotta find which one I want to start. Oh, here's a good one. On this day, 1928, Ty Cobb. He's a jerk. Yes, we've talked about him a few times on the podcast. At the age of 41, he stole home for the 50th and final time of his career. They did that more back in the day. Yeah, I was going to say, that's um, a absurd. That's absurd. Really high number. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. On this day in 1948, the first night game at Briggs Stadium in Detroit was held. The Tigers beat the Philadelphia A's 4-1. to one. What stadium? Briggs. Briggs. B-R-I-G-G-S. Was that not? Um, Wasn't Tiger Stadium. Tiger Stadium then came Comerica. Well, Tiger Stadium was torn down and they built Comerica. Comerica. Yeah. Why was it? What year was that? 1948. Man. I don't like it. On this day, 1953, New York Yankees first baseman Johnny Mize. He's the 30, 93rd MLB player to get 2,000 hits. Huh. I wouldn't have guessed there was 93 MLB players by 1953 to get 2,000 hits. What? Say, that, say that one again. Sorry, I was distracted. <laughs> You're trying to fact check me on something I find on the website, onthisday.com. It, it was Tiger Stadium, just had a different name from 1938 to 1960. My. Don't, don't, my don't fact check onthisday.com. My apologies. I said on this day in 1953, New York Yankees first baseman Johnny Mize became the 93rd MLB player to get 2,000 hits. I'm surprised there was that many people to get 2,000 hits by that year. Say that again? No. No, you're, you're done. <laughs> you're getting on my last nerve already, J-Man, and we're like seven minutes into the show. Johnny Mize. Um, well, I got one that's not on this list, and that is on this day in 19... Cubs traded Lou Brock to the Cardinals. Didn't work out so well for the Cubs. It's a real bad trade. So that leads me to ask you this. Can you think of other trades throughout sports that went really badly for one team? I was really hoping you were going to ask me who they traded him for. It was Ernie Brolio. thought I was hoping that was going to be one of your trivia questions oh. to me. Um, that went really bad for teams. Uh, well, we'll get into this a little later, but... Uh, the A's trading Mark McGuire to the Cardinals was really bad for the A's because they got nothing. Um, honestly, a bunch of Cubs trades come to mind. 
Cubs acquired Aramis Ramirez and Kenny Lofton for like Bobby Hill. That was a good one. Traded Hesop Choi for Derek Lee straight up, essentially. Anthony Rizzo for Andrew Kashner. Jake Arrieta and Pedro Strobe for Steve Clevenger and Scott Feldman. So those are some that uh, worked out in the Cubs' favor. I got some here. How about uh, Randy Johnson from Montreal to Seattle? Yeah. How about Vladi Divac for Kobe Bryant? Yeah, that was a bad one. How about Mets sending Nolan Ryan and three others to the Angels for Jim uh, Fregosi, I believe is how he pronounced yeah. his last name? How about John Elway for Mark Herman and Chris Hinton? See, that was a little different because he dem- he would not put on the hat, you know. So, But the value they got wasn't there. Yes. Even though Chris Hinton Colts, wasn't a bad tackle. Colts had, just wasn't John Elway. Colts had very little leverage in that one. So, How about the Colts trading for Trent Richardson? That, <laughs> that was a bad one. Gave up, what, number two or I don't three know, pick? Well, whatever it was. It, it was, was a top five pick. Too much um, in the hindsight. How about uh, your boy Ricky Williams in the Saints? He was a good player, was, but was he worth giving up your whole draft? No. Dolphins did the same thing yeah. to trade for him. They gave up two first-round picks for him. Mm-hmm. Bad. Okay, what else do we got here? Um <laughs> You know, I really talked this up, and now I'm forgetting. <laughs> I know a lot of them are later on in the years here. Okay, here's one. On this day, 1980, the U.S. Open was held. Who won? Gary Player. Good guess, but how about Jack Nicholas? See, I was thinking you were trying to throw me off with a hard... Uh, he won his fourth U.S. Open title. That would have been a much better guess, um, but I wanted it to be different, and it backfired like usual. Um, here's a trade on this day in 1983. The Cardinals traded Keith Hernandez to the Mets for Neil Allen and Rick Ownby. Ownby O O W N. That wasn't a, that wasn't a very good trade either. No, was not. On this day in 1986, the U.S. Open was held at Shinnecock Hills Golf Course Golf Club. Who won that one? 86. Yep. Let's go with uh, Gary Player, Raymond Floyd. Never heard of fourth and final major, two strokes ahead of Chip Beck and Lanny Watkins. On this day in 1994, the New York Giants cut Super Bowl MVP quarterback Phil Simms after 15 years of service with the NFL club. 94, huh? Yep. He played anywhere after that? I don't think he did. I could be wrong, though. That's just off the top of my head. On this day in 1997, the U.S. Open was won by who at Congressional Country Club? What year? 97. <laughs> You've heard of this guy. He's still playing today. Okay. Um, Hall of Famer. I'm going to go with Tiger Woods. Good guess, but no. Ernie Els won his second Open title, the second said, of his four major championships. should have said, a, isn't he South African? Yeah. should have said South African. Oh, One, I should have. Because you might have guessed Gary Player again. <laughs> One, I thought Gary Player was American. Nope. My bad. One stroke ahead of runner-up Colin Montgomery. On this day in 2001, the 55th NBA championship was won by who? 2001? Yes. That is the Los Angeles Lakers. Who did they beat? 2001? Yes. <laughs> um, Sixers. Yes, four games to one. Kobe Bryant stepped over Tron Liu. No, Iverson, Iverson stepped, stepped, stepped over Tron Liu in that uh that's series. That's a quadruple bogey for That's you bad. for uh, screwing that Added one. in my mind. And <laughs> who won the 57th NBA championship in 2003? 2003. That would be the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Who did they beat? 
don't know. New Jersey Nets. Oh, Nets that was one back of their, to back. Yeah. Four games to two. On this day in 2003, who won the U.S. Open, played at Olympia Fields Country Club? I'm going to go with Phil Mickelson. Good guess. Jim Furyk won his only major title by three strokes. See the John Gross lookalike? Yes. Good comparison. Who won the 58th NBA championship on this day in, night, or in 2004? The Detroit Pistons. Who did they beat? The Los Angeles Lakers. Yep. On this day in 2011, who won the Stanley Cup? Wasn't the Blackhawks. They were 10-something else and something else. Um, L.A. Kings. Boston Bruins defeated the Vancouver Canucks. Actually swept, or no, defeated them 4-0 to win the series 4-3. I about said they swept it. It ended the Bruins' 39-year Stanley Cup drought. Who won the U.S. Open on this day in 2014 at Pinehurst? That would he, he didn't just win. He dominated. He led wire to wire and won by eight strokes. Give me uh, Jordan Spieth. Martin Keimer. Martin Keimer. He beat runners-up Eric Compton and Ricky Fowler. On this day in 2014, who won the 68th NBA championship? 2014? Yep. Man. Is that the Heat? He got dominated by the Spurs four games to one. The year before they beat the Spurs. Those years get pretty choppy. They do. Yep. On this day in 2015, who won the Stanley Cup? 15? 15. L.A. Kings. Chicago Blackhawks. They won in 15, too? Defeated the Tampa Bay Lightning 2-0 for a 4-2 victory. I remember that The Blackhawks' sixth championship. Three in five years. Kind of like the... On this day in 2019, in a blockbuster NBA trade, the New Orleans Pelicans... Send forward Anthony Davis to the L.A. Lakers for Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and three future first-round draft picks, including 2019 number four overall. Do the Pelicans use that number four overall? No. Did they trade it to? Yeah, but I don't remember to who. Because they got Zion number one. Yeah. On this day, also last year in 2019, there was a baseball jersey belonging to Babe Ruth. It became the most expensive sports memorabilia item when it sold for $5.64 million at an auction in New York. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of cash for a jersey. For anything, but for a jersey. And the On This Day segment is brought to you by, like it is every week, Proforma Print House. If you're looking for a trustworthy, dependable resource for your next trade show, company picnic, or sales meeting, Proforma Print House has over 50 years combined experience in promotional products and commercial print. They strive for fast and efficient response to all of your printing needs. You need to look no further. Let them be your one source print and promotional company. You can contact them today at 574-210-3815. Yeah, maybe not the longest on this day. I might have played it up a little bit, but still pretty it's, long it's one. It's pretty good. It was one. probably the most guessed. I like Most those. topics we had where you could guess at. Yeah. So those are always fun. Those are my favorites. But, uh... Got a lot of baseball to talk about baseball. tonight. Something that's right up your alley. You got a baseball shirt on. It's your favorite sport. Last night, uh, we went back in time a little bit to the summer of 1998 or the baseball season, but mainly the summer. In the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary called Long Gone Summer, 
uh, featuring Mark McGuire of the St. Louis Cardinals, Sammy Sosa of the Chicago Cubs, battling it out for Roger Maris's single-season home run record, which ended up with Sosa hitting 66, winning MVP and making the playoffs, though. McGuire hitting 70 and not making the playoffs, not winning the MVP. Some of your thoughts and notes, uh, takeaways from last night. Um, Did you enjoy it, first off? I'm going to get to that. I, 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 <laughs> actually, I actually rated it out of 10. Oh, boy. Um, so I got a few notes here. As a baseball fan, you know, it was fine. Um, it was cool to see all the home runs. You know, they had nostalgic uh, footage and all that. Are you going to say something? Yeah, one thing I didn't like about it. I got sick and tired of the crowd shots of a recent crowd. Ooh, and then I'm getting that. back to the highlights. <laughs> that was uh, ridiculous. It was awful. Uh, I, mean, I, I understand they probably can't get too many crowd shots from back in 98, but that it's, made it cheesy. Yeah, it. I mean, you saw multiple Chris Bryant jerseys in yeah, the stands. Yeah. He was six years old. And you could tell by the definition of the it was, picture. Yeah, yeah um, that was annoying. It was. Know. Yeah, it was sloppy. As a Cubs fan, it was just it was meh. Uh, they told us it was going to be about the home run chase, uh, but it was pretty much just a documentary about McGuire with some Sosa sprinkled in. Uh, the thing that really annoyed me was they made it appear as if Sammy just came out of nowhere. Yeah, and, they really did. And McGuire said, I had no idea who he even was, yeah. uh, which is just false. Sosa became the first Cub to hit 30 homers. They did mention that. And steal 30 bases uh, when he did it in a season, when he did it in 93. They did mention that. He was also an all-star and hit 36 homers in 95, hit 40 homers in just 124 games in 96, and he hit 36 homers in 97. So um, that just wasn't true that he was just this no-name Yeah, I had this, guy. Um, this uh, VHS tape. Yes, I'm old enough to remember VHS tapes and watch VHS tapes of home run hitters. And it you was still made, own a VCR? Your parents own a VCR? No. I don't think mine My do grandparents either. do, but they don't use it. Um, but uh, it, it was made in 96 with all these home run hitters, and he was featured on yeah. there, and it was made in 96. Yeah. So, I mean, they also had weird guys like Brady Anderson on there, but uh, Brady Anderson went from hitting like eight, <laughs> 10, 12 yeah. homers, hits 50, then he's back to 20, you know. Yeah, uh, he was a steroid guy, yes. Uh, but as a documentary enthusiast like myself, <laughs> uh, it was just it wasn't a good documentary at all. Um, I, I didn't find it really compelling or interesting, it was in fact, it was kind of boring. Um, they solely focused on McGuire, as I said, which you should have uh, expected that going in. Yeah, it. because I mean, I I had read reviews where McGuire was the Jordan of this uh, documentary, which is fine. I mean, he he won the you know home run uh, race, but when you say it's going to be about the home run chase, it was like it was a bunch of McGuire, then Sosa hit a homer, then they go to a Cardinal. You know, the yeah. Cardinal grounds crew guy yeah. giving an interview. It just kind of bounced around. Well, Ian, I think part of it, why they focus so much on McGuire, not only did he hit the 70 and have the record, is he has come out and admitted right. to steroid use, and Sosa technically has not. He still hasn't. I think the closest we're going to get, and he said it at the end uh, when talking about uh, whether he wants to come back to Chicago, and he says, of course I do. Um, and then they asked him about t- the Ricketts not mm-hmm. really wanting him back. And he said, you know, everyone was doing it yeah. back then, so yeah. why am so I the one getting punished? pretty much confessed yes. right there. Um, but he's never probably going to say he oh. did it. Um, but as I said, they focused on McGuire, which I knew going in. Yeah. And it was a Cardinal fan that did the documentary, so I should have yeah. known. Uh, but I think it was kind of a mistake. Uh, he's, he's kind of a boring guy. Um, I, I, he's not a media person. No, he doesn't like I, the media. I kind of compared him to Scottie Pippen. 
last night. He's he's more interesting than Scotty Pippen. Scotty might be the boringest human I've ever seen in a documentary. That was awful. <laughs> well, well, were you trying to do Kawhi Leonard there? Yeah, it sounded like it did. I was trying to do Scotty's like Arkansas laugh, and I, that was just awful. Like a redo. <laughs> McGuire's pretty boring. Uh, he had a pretty typical baseball upbringing, too. Yep. Um, lived in an affluent neighborhood, played yep. baseball growing up. Best player in high school, goes to USC, gets drafted in the first round. I think Sosa is just the far more interesting kind of character, and I wish they would have had a little more from him. I uh, came from nothing in the Dominican. A story I actually read afterwards, which they didn't even mention in the documentary was the Phillies wanted to sign him, but he was only 15 years old um, and he wasn't eligible to sign for another year. Uh, so the scout literally that was down there in the Dominican hid him from any other team, but then the scout got fired. Oops. So Sosa ends up signing with the Rangers um, where he started his career. Then future president George W. Bush is the one that signed off on the trade to send him to the White Sox. Yeah, and, and that was – a very, very yeah. small part of it at yeah. the end, but it yeah. seems like they could have played that up a little more. Um, they showed Sammy, and I mentioned this in my notes, they showed Sammy hitting a homer, and the crowd shots would be of recent games. Yeah, that was just annoying. Um, saw Chris Bryant jerseys in the stands. I think that was just kind of sloppy. Um, it's it, it's like they were trying to fool us, and yeah. every single person caught it. You would think, yeah, if you um, paid close attention, you should have caught it, but I guarantee you there was people who didn't. Right. But. I also thought the talking heads and interviews weren't that great either. As I said, the grounds crew guy, he 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 kind of creeped me out a little bit. I, there there was just something about him. Um, he he was really young when he got yeah. to sixty two. He was probably twenty, maybe nineteen twenty. Um, I it was just almost a pointless interview in my opinion. Uh, honestly, the most interesting guy they interviewed was Steve Traxel, who gave it up. He was most interesting uh but then they'd show homers and then show the, the ground screw guy talking about it uh they also i thought kind of glossed over the steroid issue and when they did bring it up they showed barry bonds first yeah yeah um, yep and and like they made mcguire and sosa out to be kind of that or mainly mcguire to be like the hero of this thing sure. uh and they just kind of blamed Barry Bonds, but Bonds came after them and when he did the 73 homers well i had a i had a think with a when uh, McGuire hit one of those homers and they showed, and like you said, they showed Bonds, it looked like he was like, they were panning to the villain. Yeah. Too. And, and to look on his face, you got you had to wonder if he's thinking, what can I do to get to these guys' yeah, level? absolutely. Which he was already at their level. He's he was just, already a 40 home run yeah. hitter, but. He didn't need, need to do steroids you know? at all. Um, I, I just thought they could have made it such a more compelling home run chase. Sure. Uh, documentary. I mean, they'd show McGuire hitting all these homers, but then showed the leaderboard and Sosa's right up there with him. Like they just kind of, they just almost forgot about Sosa. And I didn't even really remember Sosa took the lead uh, with three games to play, and then McGuire hit five homers in three games. Which, which is just there insane. is some uh, conspiracy theories that that McGuire might have talked to the Expos before that series, uh, and uh, pretty much said, I, "I don't want Sammy me. to win this," but who knows? Um. It was really hyped, and it did not live up to my hype. Now, the last sports documentary I watched was The Last Dance, which is, might end up being the greatest sports documentary of all time. Yeah. Um, so this one didn't obviously didn't measure up. Uh, but overall, I uh, gave it a 4 out of 10. Yeah. I. Uh, well, uh, it was honestly one of the worst 30 for 30s I've watched. I was surprised. I did not know until last, yesterday afternoon that it was two hours. I thought it was an hour. They could have easily done um, it in an hour. 
I mean, they, they spent, what, 40 minutes on McGuire getting drafted and coming up with the A's and all that, and that was just, it wasn't necessary. Yeah. Um, I actually learned, I did not know McGuire was traded to the Cardinals. I just thought he was a free agent acquisition, so I learned that. I had forgotten, it makes sense now, knowing the timeline when he retired and when he got traded. I forgot that he was a Cardinal for such a short period of time. It was only four and a half years. He played a lot longer in Oakland, and you just don't remember that, really. Um, or at least I don't. Too I young. really wish they could have gotten Jose Canseco on there. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to make that an appearance. That would have been but fun. Griffey didn't even make an appearance. He made an appearance in highlights, but it would have been interesting. 56 homers in 98. Yeah, it would have been interesting to see, hear his thoughts on Griffey, it. Griffey, I would say, was more popular than both those guys. <sighs> to the mainstream sports fan, Griffey sure. was the coolest of the cool the kids. Yeah. Backwards hat, sweetest swing in baseball. Just was cool. But like you were talking, Sammy was the man in mm-hmm. Chicago. I mean, there was Michael Jordan who just ended the dynasty, and then yep. it was Sammy was the man because the Blackhawks sucked, the, Bull, the Bulls were going to suck, the Bears mm-hmm. sucked, White Sox <laughs> sucked. They all sucked except, well, the Cubs did until that the, year. The Cubs were but, awful even after that year, yeah, too. It was but, just kind of a one-year thing. But Sosa was yeah. the guy in mm-hmm. Chicago. There was no one else after Jordan. He was the Michael Jordan. I and mean, it's then. really sad the way it ended. Um, Super sad. I mean, McGuire was the guy in St. Louis, of course. And then the Rams' success came after that. But the Blues weren't doing anything at the time. They don't have a basketball franchise. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's just interesting that, uh, of course, I mean, Griffey, 56, is still 10 behind Sosa and uh, 14 behind McGuire. But that's still a heck of a year. And uh, even the 98 Yankees, great, great team, they get lost in the shuffle because 98 right. is remembered as the home run derby and, I of mean, the season. The Yankees won the I'm trying Do you remember how many games they won? Yankees? Was it 115? I think that was the year before or maybe 96. Of 99 actually, I 96. think. It was oh, they won 114 games in 98. Uh-huh, I said 115. 114 so, and yeah. 48 in 98. <laughs> yeah, so arguably and the best team ever and no one, no one talks about they, them. They honestly could be considered the greatest team and in Joe the Torrey of said that today that they get forgotten about quite a bit, but the most wins in a season ever is 116. And the Cubs won the World Series when they did it in 1908. Or so 07. besides but that, the Mariners did it, and they got put out by the Yankees. So the consider that you had the Yankees winning that many games and the home run chase. That season definitely saved baseball. That saved baseball, which is a great segue into our next topic. I really was hoping you would just smooth into it without saying uh, that's a great sorry. segue. I was teeing it up for you. I know, it's... rookie over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Been doing this how long? See, it was going to be smooth, and then you screwed it up by having to say that. So it's it's your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. Um, I'll take six and one. Who's going to save baseball this time? I don't know if it's savable. I really don't know if it's savable. As a casual baseball fan, I am so uninterested right now in these negotiations. I'm exhausted by them. I can't imagine how you're feeling because you're a diehard. The negotiations... Ugh. are over. ML, yeah, the um, owners came out with a new proposal, a proposal that was the exact same as the previous ones, just worded different to try to confuse or make it seem like it's a better proposal to the fans. The players know um, what the owners are doing. Um, and the MLB Players Association said, we're not going to give you another proposal. Tell us when and where. Yeah. When to report or where to report, when to report, when are we going to start? They gave a deadline of today, 
And the only thing we've heard today was from the worst commissioner in the <laughs> history of professional and sports. And you've changed your tune on that lately. Rob, I've always thought that. Well, I mean, maybe not when he first started, because you were always on Goodell, 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 right. Goodell, Goodell, but now um, you've changed your tune on that. That's yes, because I didn't realize how awful <laughs> Rob Manfred was going to be. Yeah. He said, after last week saying there will 100% be a major league season, today he says, I'm not certain there's going to yeah. Not a hundred percent certain there's going to be a major league. I don't season. know, man. It, but they. In a letter today, Major League Baseball told the MLBPA there would be no 2020 season unless the players waived any legal claims against the league, which just translates to we won't play unless you waive a potential grievance. So, if they don't waive their grievance, which. The Players Association is going to file a grievance against them, as they should. The billionaire owners are holding them hostage right now. Uh, they're going to stop paying them eventually. Um, yeah, it's breaking news right here. Manfred not confident in 2020 season. If they don't waive the grievance, um, we're not going to have a season, and this will be a nonstop long court case what? that the owners are going to lose so much more money because they're not going to win it because in March there was like a handshake agreement where the players are not required to play unless they get full pro-rated salaries. That's what the thing was. The owners are now saying, well, that wasn't our agreed-upon deal. They've gotten lawyers involved, and lawyers have said, no, the Major League Baseball Players Association does not have to play unless they get full pro-rated. They're going to lose – MLB's going to lose two grievances. They're going to lose the one the players file against them, and then the owners will in turn file one against the players, and they're going to lose that one. They're going to lose so many more millions of dollars than they would have if they would have just agreed to a full pro-rated salary over 81 games. It is hilarious. They could have been the – First sport back on yep. TV, could have been getting great ratings, could have maybe gained some fans they lost years ago. Yep. Now they're losing fans. Losing fans. And uh, are you going to get them back next year? Uh, no. I'm to the point where I want to almost see Major League Baseball burn just to see no, those know. owners. Well, at least you've seen the Cubs, the Cubs win World I Series. Have. Um, I was talking to somebody. I was, I was talking to my uh, cousin's husband over the weekend, and he goes, because, you know, I used to really love baseball, but now he goes, if it – Folds it folds because I saw the Cubs win the World Series, so I, I don't know if he truly meant that or not, but that's why you're saying. <laughs> I, 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 I personally want the players to just stand up yeah. and lead or start a league themselves. Yeah. Screw the owners. We're going to play wherever we need to play. We'll play on high school fields. We're going to play without you. Um, it obviously wouldn't happen, but uh, I want the owners to lose so, so, so much money. So they can't afford Christmas presents. Wow. All right. We're going there. Uh, they're greedy. It is disgusting the way they're treating the players, the billionaire owners. It is, but and, and I'm on the player's side, but also trying to just look at this from a ordinary person who makes nowhere near a million dollars. These players, a lot of them are making millions of dollars as well. A lot of people out there right now, especially in tough times, don't have a job. Correct. So some of those people are saying, play the game, even if you're not getting paid your your whole salary. I get that. But I will never understand why people are on the billionaire owner side of this thing. 
The owners, I would say that's people who think the athletes. And I'm not part of this group, but people that think athletes. Well, I am to an extent, but people who think athletes are just getting paid too much money to begin with, which they are. I mean, they don't. That's why I backed up. Said I change lives, side, but um, the owners couldn't care about anything except well, making money. money. Yeah, uh, they maybe, might maybe like a few, baseball, maybe a few, but I don't. Even know. some love it, but. Um, yeah. They all they all it's they business. care about is the bottom line. Running like a business, um, which it is. Here is what Tony Clark and the Major League Baseball Players Association said today. Players are disgusted that after Rob Manfred unequivocally told players and fans that there would 100 percent be a 2020 season, he has decided to go back on his word and is now threatening to cancel the entire season. Any implication that the Players Association has somehow delayed progress on health and safety protocols is completely false. As Rob has recently acknowledged, the parties are very, very close. This latest threat is just one more indication that Major League Baseball has been negotiating in bad faith since the beginning. This has also been about extracting additional pay cuts from players. This is just another day and another bad faith tactic in their ongoing campaign. The collective bargaining agreement is up. After the 2022 season. Mm -hmm. We talked about that a little bit last week. What a way to go into the final two years of a collective bargaining agreement with this kind of distrust. You know, the players are going to strike. They're going to strike. The owners are just going to lose an incredible amount of money. The owners could not care less about the sport or the players or the fans. They would rather have a short-term gain than a short than a long-term gain. Yep, is what because this will do as we've said, irrevocable damage to uh, Major League Baseball. Survived it once. Not sure if they can do it twice. Yes, uh, which leads me. In, you have anything else to add? No. Uh, just real quick, I actually have quite a few notes here, but I'll rifle through it. Uh, the MLB draft was held Wednesday and Thursday. I got um, some grades up here from CBSSports.com. Interesting. Um, I have not looked at any grades. But uh, just to recap the Cubs draft, uh, in round one they took Ed Howard, a shortstop from Mount Carmel High School in Chicago, also the um, the uh, alma mater of who? Mount Carmel High School, Chicago. Tracy Abrams. <laughs> I knew he was get that one. Uh, former Illinois point guard. He was starting shortstop at the Little League World Series. for about a decade. He did. Uh, for Jackie Robinson West. Solid tools across the board. Surefire shortstop. Simple right-handed swing. Makes repeated hard contact. Could develop into average power. Extreme high character. Strong worth ethic. Has a chance to be a star. Round two took Bar- Burl Carraway. Do- doesn't he sound like a like old western uh, sheriff or something? Burl Carraway. <laughs> I'd, I'd never heard of him, but watched 10 seconds of video, and the first thing I thought was, Cubs just drafted Billy Wagner. He has a so, massive fastball curveball combination, but isn't always able to locate. Correct. To this, he could pitch in the majors this season. That's what this says. He's a lefty with the same body type as Wagner, six feet, one hundred seventy pounds. Trackman Data rated his fastball and his curveball as the two best pitches in the draft. Since ninety six to ninety eight, touches one hundred while using uh, deception. Uh, he does have uh, some command and control issues, but if he can figure it out, he'll be fast tracked. Round three, Jordan and Wogu. 
outfielder from University of Michigan. He's a huge guy, 6'3", 235. Had a scholarship offer from Kent State to be a defensive end, but chose to walk on the baseball team at Michigan. Has an unorthodox right-handed swing, but has plus raw power and solid speed. Got down on strikeout percentage each year at Michigan and hit 321, 435, 557 with 12 homers, 16 steals on the Michigan team that went to the College World Series last year. Round four, Luke Little, left-handed pitcher, San Jacinto Junior College. 6'8", 225 pounds, massive. Throws really, really hard. 100 miles per hour, it says. Um, touched 105 off the mound at a workout last month. Uh, that was obviously a hot gun. Not many people can do that. But sits in the 97-99 range. Uh, doesn't throw strikes. Doesn't have a very good breaking ball. But in the fourth round, uh, kind of risked the or worth the risk. See if they can turn him into something. Round five took Cone Moreno. Um, 6'2", 180 pounds. Right-handed pitcher out of Cary, North Carolina High School. Had a great summer last year and was thought of as a guy that could kind of propel himself into the first round with a good spring, but the season was canceled. Um, throws 87 to 93 with a curveball and feel for changeup. Overall, though, Cubs hired a new scouting director in Dan Kantrovich, who had been with the Cardinals and A's. Uh, so we didn't really know what his draft philosophy was, but for the first time in a long time, Cubs drafted guys with at least one plus tool. I see the velocities from Merle Caraway and lit. What I mean, you had Midwestern Cowboy for a Dakota Mathias. Yep. I got to come up with. Got to come up with something. Come up with. You can. You're creative when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, the power from Munwagu, the overall game from Howard. Jason McLeod used to be in charge of the drafts, and they've transitioned him to the major league side of things. And he said they used to be really conservative when drafting. Uh, players had to check off like a bunch of boxes in order for them Kinda to Kind of seems ridiculous. Yeah, <laughs> especially for pitchers. They had to have plus command, throw a solid breaking ball, have ideal pitcher's body, and a lot of those guys uh, they drafted had fringy tools. Uh, they Can't might clone Nolan Ryan, boys. That's right. They might be able to throw strikes, but a lot of their guys they'd take would be pumping in fastballs like 88 to 89 mile an hour, and that's just not going to fly in today's game. Past two drafts have been entirely different. Ryan Jensen was their first rounder last year. He's undersized. I think he's about the same size as Caraway, six feet, six one, 180 pounds maybe, but has two plus pitches in his fastball and slider. Same with a guy last year, Michael McAveen, they took in the third round through 100 mile an hour uh, for University of Louisville. So, uh, Overall, uh, who knows? <laughs> they gave it a grade of a B. Grade of a B. Draft grades are so stupid. Um, hey. In <laughs> less so in like the NFL and NBA, uh, but in baseball, you don't know for three, four years. Well, I'm gonna run through every team's grade real quick. Let's hear it. Diamondbacks Excited. B. Braves That's- C. How do they know? Orioles, C. Let me guess the Red Sox. The Red Sox punted their first-round pick. They took a guy that wasn't projected to go in the top 100 picks, took him in the first round. I'm going to go with F for this. C. C. It's on original. White Sox, A. Yeah, White Sox took a lefty, Garrett Crochet, I think, or yep. Crotchet. They took him in the first round first and righty, round, uh, Jared Kelly in the second round. Ooh, They're like both uh, consensus top 20 talents. Kelly looked like a potential top 10 pick at times prior to the shutdown this spring and our potential impact players, uh, Crochet or Crochet? I think it's Crochet. Crochet could join the 50-man roster and pitch in the big leagues this summer. The White Sox had to go cheap on their third, fourth, and fifth round picks to ensure they can sign Crochet and Kelly, but that's fine. The two top 20 talents in a five-round draft is a big win. The Cincinnati Reds. Bill C. So... <laughs> 
The Reds used their first round slot number 30 on Austin Hendrick, a prep outfielder with an explosive swing of power. and star potential. Afterwards, the Reds took bets on right-handers Christian Roa and Bryce Bonin and catcher Jackson Miller. The Reds have invested a lot in their pitching development in recent years, so they have a chance to make this class look a lot better than it does on draft night. Their first round pick... Um the comparison Andrew, our good buddy and Reds fan, kind of came up with and I think is perfect uh, for him is Jay Bruce, left-handed hitter. Um, he's not as big as Bruce, but has the same kind of power. Uh, probably won't hit for a high average or anything, but uh, that's an interesting one. Indians, B. Colorado Rockies, A. Their first-round pick's really good. Zach, Zach Veen. Zach Veen. Um, for some reason, both ESPN and Major League Baseball compare guys to superstars. Like, they compared his swing to Cody Bell, a mix between Cody Bellinger and Christian Yelich. There was another guy they showed his average exit velocity in high school, which was like 88 balls an hour. Then showed Mike Trout's average exit velocity in the major leagues last year, and Trout's was lower. Well, no kid. It's just stupid. It says they landed three players in the in in, in CBS Sports Top 50 in outfielder Zach Veen, catcher Drew Romo, and right-hander Chris McMahon. Veen could return to a mid- middle-of-the-order hitter. Romo, a defensive-minded reserve or second-division starter, and McMahon either a three-pitch starter or reliever, depending on what his body permits. Landing Veen and McMahon where they did makes this a fine haul. You know, canceling the baseball season uh, might be worth it if I never have to hear you talk about the Rockies. I'm again. just reading right what they, they wrote. Tigers got an A. The Astros got a C. You T- hate to see it. Tigers murdered. Royals, A. A lot of people get good grades when they pick real high, which yep. is what the Royals Which you should is, yeah. if you hit them. Uh, Angels B, Dodgers B, Marlins A. You're right, another high yeah. pick. Brewers A. Of course. They always. Twins disgusting. C. Mets uh, A. <laughs> Yankees C. <laughs> the Yankees forfeited their second and fifth round picks to sign Garrett Cole. See, that's worth should it. Should be worth that's it. That's worth Wouldn't it. Wouldn't know. Won't get to see a pitch this year. Ever. That would suck. That would be awful. So they had three picks in the second smallest bonus pool this year. They landed a first-round bat in Austin Wells with the 28th pick, but he might not remain at catcher long-term, which would take a bit a bite out of his value. Third-rounder Trevor Hover, I believe is how you pronounce his name, has a chance to carve out a career as a versatile super utility type with limited resources. The Yankees did about as well as they could have hoped. Yeah, when you don't – I mean – the draft's usually 40 rounds. Yeah, when you have five. They had five rounds because Rob Manfred. And they forfeited two picks. Rob Manfred is just a colossal idiot. It's nicely um, put. It could have been a lot worse. A's, B, Phillies, B, Pirates, A. Of course, all the central teams. And, I, and I'm saying this for loyal listener and viewer Sean Shriver here. I want to read this. <laughs> Pittsburgh kicked off his draft by taking Nick Gonzalez. Oh, he's going to. He who will end up at second base. He could be their starting second baseman right now. There are some concerns about his power potential, but the Buckos, I like that, the Buckos, were just out of range. you never heard that before? Yeah, I have, but I forgot about it. We're just out of range to grab one of the top five players in the class. After Gonzalez, the Pirates went to the mound early and often popping a trio of athletic arms in Carmen, not trying that one, Jared Jones and Nick Garcia. Lodzinski. Uh, They all ranked in the top 50. Um, The first round, Nick Garcia, is that? that? Yeah. it wasn't Garcia. No, Nick Gonzalez. Gonzalez. Nick Garcia was later on. Yes, I saw Garcia on there. Uh, Nick Gonzalez is a top five hitter in the class. Played at New Mexico State, um, whereas high above sea level and just raked. 
but then he went down to sea level at UCLA, didn't perform as well. Of course, extremely small sample, three games. But uh, Cardinals A, so in the, in the central, Cardinals, Pirates, Brewers A, Cubs B, and Reds C. Reds are last again. <laughs> Always. Padres B, Giants C, Mariners A, Rays A, Rangers D. That's the worst grade we've seen yet. Yeah, I do remember people ripping on the Rangers. They, oh, they look at this one. Yes, I in the second, second round. Rounder, yeah. Evan Carter, a high school outfielder from Tennessee, was not among Baseball America's top 500 draft yes. prospects. Um, Talk I, about a surprise pick. It says. I, I remember when he was drafted. Wow. I was watching MLB Network, and there was at least one scout guy that said, I have nothing on him, which is rare. It's extremely rare for scouting guys not to have at least something on it. Blue Jays A and Nationals B. So, Rangers, Rangers, you're the big losers. They could end up being the big winners. We won't know for like four years. But isn't it fun to talk about? Not really. Shut up. (laughs) You supposedly have a couple trivia questions for me. I do. You want them now? Um, First off, I'm just going to. Because I do have some golf to talk about. Do my J-Man's book of production. Unless there's a. Golf tournament. Is there one this week? Absolutely. There's one. There's one from like now to the end of the year. This will be the J-Man's Book of Prediction of the Week. Give me Rory. Let me make sure he's in the field first before (laughs) you. I thought thought you said he was. I think he is, but Uh, uh, yes, he is. You're safe. Give me Rory. You're safe. J-Man's Book of Prediction of the Week is brought to you by Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance Agent Travis Watchering. Life, home, auto, renters, business, workers, comp, and farm. Contact Travis at 219-869-4561. His email is travis.watchering at infb.com. He will be out of the office this week due to a uh, family vacation. And he said he will have um, spotty Wi-Fi if I can get to his uh, page here on the Facebook. I saw it on Twitter. Um, well, I saw it on Facebook. So uh, You were already on Twitter. Could have pulled it up there. <laughs> I could have done that. He'll be out of the office until Monday, June 22nd, 2020. Obviously, that uh, he's not going to be gone a year. I will have limited access to my email and cell phone. If you need immediate assistance, please contact Sarah at 765-482-0700 or email at sarah.com. H-A-C-H-L-A-F-I at IndianFarmBureau.com. You get all that? I'm not repeating it. <laughs> Can you please repeat that? No. I will give you the trivia questions right now. You will yeah. or will yeah, not? Let's not go okay. ahead and get that out of the way. So I had two. These aren't birdie bogeys. They're just fun baseball trivia. My dad actually supplied them oh for boy. you. So I got two of them. First one, who has hit the most career walk-off home runs in MLB history. Oh, man. That's a really good question. Um, I'm going to say Alex Rodriguez. I don't know why. Good question or good answer, but no. Who is it? Jim Tomei with 13. Wouldn't have guessed him. That's a good, good one. Good hitter though. for a lot of teams. Yeah, he's kind of underrated even though he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he's first ballot. Second question. There's been a... Two guys, I believe, is the question, since 1900 to have led the NL and AL in home runs during their career. One of the guys I will give you, his name was Sam 
Crawford. Sam Crawford. Who uh, led the Reds in 1901 with 16. I've heard of him, but not have guessed him. And he led the... and, and he uh, led the Tigers with seven in 1908. Who is the other guy to do this? Because McGuire did it. It was oh, besides yeah. McGuire, besides and, McGuire and Sam Crawford. There's one other guy. Man, who has played in both leagues? Man, that's a good one. Um, there's only one guy I can think of that played in both leagues. There's a lot of baseball players that played I, in both leagues. I know, but only guy. one guy. It's Is it a recent guy? Okay, that's, thanks. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you mean by recent. What do you mean by recent? Is he still playing? No. Oh, crap. That takes, <laughs> so I, was, I was thinking uh, Miguel Cabrera. No, good guess. But no. Um, man, I, he's not playing. Who has retired? Has, has he retired recently? No. Miguel Cabrera led the Tigers in, or the AL with the Tigers in 08 with 37 and the Tigers in 2012 well, with 44. He, he won the Triple Crown in 2012. I'm, I could I'm not. double checking myself that he never led with the Tigers. I, I don't and think he did because he, he wasn't there long enough. He did not. Um, man. I might go Jim Tomey again. Good, good answer, but no. Jim Tomey led the NL in 03 with the Phillies with 47. Okay, so he didn't do it at the end because because I'm double checking because the one I was concerned of was he didn't do it with the Phillies. He did not do it with the Indians. Cripes, give it to me. Crime dog Fred McGriff. I <sighs> wouldn't even thought of him. Led Man. the AL in 1989 with the tough. Blue Jays with 36. Then he led the NL with the Braves. No, I gotta find the team. With the Padres, Padres in 1992 has, with 35. He did back-to-back years? Is that what it was? Uh, you said 93 or? I said 92 with the Padres. I and, said 93 with the Blue Jays. But. And 89 with 89. the Blue Jays. Okay. Yep. Those are really good questions. Mm-hmm. And I am. Uh, they were tough. Yeah, I'm not mad at I told you before one. when I said you I had two questions, you probably wouldn't get either one because yeah. they're very difficult. But uh, golf is back live. Live golf tournaments back. Uh, it started last week with the Charles Swab, or this past week with the Charles Swab Challenge Shut. down in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, one player mic'd up in field. That was on Thursday. Ricky Fowler with a stellar three over par round. <laughs> Why he's mic'd up? I'm sure he's wishing he wasn't mic'd up at the time, or he was wishing he could say whatever he wanted. Sure. Uh, Which uh, the the mics just around the course did pick up a nice f bomb from I think it was Brooks Kepka in John Rom's group. Literally 15 seconds from when uh, the Golf Channel be- came on live, <laughs> Jim Nance had apologized to everybody, which was cool to see he- hear and see Jim Nance Thursday through Sunday. That's pretty rare. He's a, he's just a weekend guy, but uh, a lot of big names played some really good golf and it's- were crammed at the top of the leaderboard over the weekend is this a tournament where there's usually a lot of not this big many names and but that's the same thing this week because we're going to see guys just it's just because they're playing hasn't been trying to get back into yeah. it trying to get points i mean they missed the last golf tournament was the full four the full the last full four rounds wow that's a mouthful golf tournament was i think march 8th before this week <laughs> so but uh, daniel berger ended up beating colin uh Morikawa in a one-hole playoff because Morikawa missed a three-foot putt to extend the playoff, giving Daniel Berger his third career win. Weird fact, all three P- 
PGA Tour career wins for him have come on the second week of June, during the second mm. week of June. Different tournament. Before this, it was a different one, usually played in the second week of June, but uh, really interesting stat there. Kinda. <laughs> but uh, you also had, they they were they tied at 15 under until the playoff. You had Jason Kokorak at 14 under. Bryson DeChambeau, who looks like a darn linebacker, he has gained 20 pounds of muscle this past year, 40 in the past three years. He said he ended last season wearing a adult medium polo. He now wears adult extra large. That's going up two sizes. He looks like a in, linebacker. In two years? Is that in what three said? years, he's three gained years? 40 pounds of muscle, 20 alone in the past year. I'm working out, man. He, so part that. of his workout was drinking five protein shakes a day. Nice. Five. But uh, he was he led the drive the field in driving yardage by at least twenty yards, just smashing the ball. But he didn't make enough putts, and in the day missed out in the playoff by a stroke. As did Justin Rose, as did Xander Schauffele, who led for a majority of the weekend and missed a short one on hole seventeen yesterday. He had Bubba Watson, Patrick Reed at thirteen under, Gary Woodland at twelve under, Jordan Spieth at eleven under after leading through the first two rounds. Kind of fell apart yesterday, and it's been well over a thousand days since Jordan's last win, which is kind of mind-boggling. Justin Thomas was there at eleven under. Good old Avon Indiana's Patrick Rogers, nice little ten under par tournament. Glad to see him playing well. How did Rory McIlroy do? I know that's what everybody's wondering because the J Man picked him. Well, Rory was looking good and heading to the weekend. Even heading into yesterday, he had a chance. He shot a four over par seventy-four yesterday and finished tied for thirty-second at six under. He played really well uh, he was, Thursday, Friday, He was, he? yeah, he played really well Friday, 63. He went 68, 63, 69, 74. So that leads us, me into this week. You got the RBC Heritage that's played uh, down in Harbortown, down in the Carolinas. Quick run through the top 15 uh, power rankings according to PJTour.com. You got Rory Sabatini at 15th, John Rahm at 14. He missed the cut. He, Ricky, and Phil were the th- Three of the bigger names that missed the cut. Wasn't he number one on the power rankings going into? He was, in good memory. Daniel Berger, this past week's winner, 13th. Sun J.M., 12th. He had a good good, uh, round over the weekend. Kevin Kistner, 11th. Matt Kuchar, 10th. Ian Poulter, 9th. Justin Rose, who missed out on the playoff by a stroke, 8th. Rory McIlroy, 7th. Colin Marikawa, who lost in the playoff, 6th. Patrick Reed, 5th. Xander Schauffele, who missed out on it by a stroke, 4th. Justin Thomas, 3rd. Webb Simpson, 2nd. And Mr. Muscle himself, Bryson DeChambeau, number one. Number one. Which, that is who I'm picking, is Bryson DeChambeau. You start calling me Mr. Muscle. Because uh, Bryson's going to figure out his game with his muscle as it goes on. I mean, if, he said this was, he had only played 18 holes before this tournament. Over the quarantine, like a full 18 holes. Wow. Maybe some holes here and there as practice, but a full round. And, uh, yeah, he came back and smashed it. And uh, if he can make some putts. Look out. I mean, I, I'm as big as Ricky Fowler fan as there is, but sometimes I wonder if Cobra slash Puma's branding or pushing the wrong guy because I'm not – I mean, Bryson's already got five wins, and, and he's he is he says some things that kind of can get taken out of context or come off a little cocky. I mean, he said yesterday right after the round they were interviewing him. 
And he said, oh, if I would have made some putts, I would have blew this thing open. I mean, you just, I don't know if you just come out and say that. It's kind of well, arrogant. But no kidding. Yeah, I think a lot of guys could have said that. But you take out those three plays, we're not down 24 exactly. at half. Exactly. So, But I'm picking him. I think he's he's uh, looking for a big year. But some notable names not in the power rankings, Brooks Kepka, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, Ricky Fowler, Hideki Matsuyama, and defending champion C.T. Pan. Um yeah, it should be another exciting tournament. It's going to be weird again without fans. You don't really notice them too much until there's like a big birdie or a big shot or something. It's just dead silent. But uh, we'll see if more guys are mic'd up this week. PGA Tour reached out to a lot of players. But unfortunately, Ricky was the only one for to take him up on it. Because like George, Justin Thomas said, I will not be mic'd up. Uh, nobody needs to know what my caddy and I are talking about and what me and my fellow uh, competitors are talking about. Why? Who cares? Part of it's part saying, of the funds here, and I think the player interaction with their caddy. So they saying something. Yeah, they should be. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, but happy to see golf back, and I was happy that uh, that it was a good tournament and exciting finish, and I was happy when the playoff and gave me something something to watch meaningful yesterday. I didn't watch because I'm not not a big race fan, so the IndyCar NASCAR stuff's not really doing. Didn't it even me. know that was on. It's on every weekend now. NASCAR's running a couple races a week. NASCAR. So, do you want to uh, hear Birdie Bogey? I do. Yeah. Good. And I honestly forgot what the question was. So, what Major League Baseball player has played the most seasons playing for a team that won the division since 1969? Want to hear it again? Since 1969, what players played on the team most that won the most divisions? Yes. Oh man. Oh man. I got three guys that come to my mind, and I doubt any of them are right. Two are pitchers, and one's a position player. Okay. <laughs> it is either a pitcher or a position player. Greg Maddox. <laughs> so close. It's Tom Glavin, wasn't it? No. Smoltz. Yes. John Smoltz, 14. So close. Maddox, 12. Because Maddox, of course, he played pitch with the Cubs. I'm mad at myself now. Uh, Smoltz, 14. It's of the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I am mad at myself. Nine guys on this. They're either Braves or Yankees from the Jeter 90s. was one I was thinking position player. Smoltz, 14. Jeter and Andrew Jones and oh. Mariano Rivera, 13. Mark DeRosa, 12. Wouldn't have guessed him. Um, Tom Glavin, 12. Chipper Jones, 12. I didn't know if Glavin won him any with the Mets. But Greg Maddox, 12, and Jorge Posada, 12. At least I was in the ballpark, but darn in it. In the ballpark. You know, big old bogey. Let's give you a double. <laughs> big old double. <laughs> Wrap us up there, J-Man, for episode 187. We appreciate you watching the Tan and J-Man show live on the ISC Sports Network. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Noble Gnome LLC, Indiana Farm Bureau Insurance Agent Travis Watching, as well as a Performer Print House. Um, I'm missing one. The damn landing. landing. Sorry. Um, for any of you podcast listeners, we will have a podcast coming out later in the week with an interview with uh, 2020 Rochester High School graduate Isaiah Jackson, who's going to play football at Olivet Nazarene. Uh, so that will be out later in the week. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week, and we'll be back at it next Monday. <laughs>